Welcome to the Synergy Mindset Podcast, Mindset Monday. Today we're speaking with Heather A. Hancock of Christian Inner Healing. She is a coach, speaker, and writer. And today she is here to share an incredible story of how she has overcome some physical challenges using her mindset. And we're going to dive right in and see what it took for her to do this. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks for having me. Would you start by telling us a little bit about your life today so that everybody can get to know you? My life today, I am a 50-year-old married woman. I've been married for six and a half years. We don't have any children, and, and we live on the west coast of British Columbia in paradise in sweet British Columbia. <laughs> so will you take us back, say, you know, 25 or 30 years to wherever the beginning journey of your story is and just let everybody know a little bit about what life was like? Beginning of my journey was actually a birth. <laughs> I was born with spastic cerebral palsy. Um, mostly due to a very premature birth. So I've dealt with a physical disability my entire life. I was mainstreamed into our public school system as the first handicapped child to do so back in the early 70s. So that gives you a a bit of a framework. Um, And that was a battle for my parents. Uh, Because back then the mindset was very different to what it is now. Um, There wasn't inclusivity of children with special needs into the public school system then they were put into special schools and out of the public eye yeah or worse in the asylum wow i didn't i didn't realize things like that really happened not that long ago yeah no when i was two that was 1970 my parents were told when i was diagnosed with cp that i was to be put into an institution because i would never amount to anything Well, that's quite the label to have to overcome, and I'd say you've done that well. Yeah, yeah. My parents fought and found a doctor who his first job was to send me to the University of Alberta at the age of three. So I was joking, say I went to university before kindergarten (laughs) for an IQ test. And at the age of three, I had the IQ of a five-year-old. So clearly my issues were purely physical. Wow, that's incredible. The IQ of a five-year-old at three years old. Apparently so, yes. <laughs> so did that show them wrong? Well, it, at least they couldn't. It, the mindset of the medical community in that day and age was that all children born with conditions like cerebral palsy were mentally retarded. That was the vernacular of the day. And so that was the assumption they went on, and that's why they recommended what they recommended. Of course, they were wrong. 85% of children born with cerebral palsy have average to above average intelligence. Wow, that's a very big percentage. Mm -hmm. Fast forward through school, being the first person integrated into public school system, it was good for education, but not so good for my social life. Kids did not accept me very well and neither did their parents so I endured incessant bullying from kindergarten through to grade 12 um, in all formats so I had to overcome that and that took a bit of doing and that took God intervening I suffered all forms of abuse growing up so by the age of 14 I was suicidal and had it all planned out 
And then God sent a singer to my high school. And I know I'm dating myself, but he used to sing with the Commodores. And <laughs> he came in and suddenly there was this man at the grand piano um, down on the stage in the theater area where we used to eat our lunch. And he was serenading us with Commodore songs. Um, and no, it wasn't Lionel Richie just just having to say that. Um, <laughs> for those of you who know who he is. So yeah, he serenaded us. And when he finished singing, I went down to talk to him, which was almost unheard of. I wasn't talking to hardly anybody. I was so timid. And I don't remember what we talked about. But I remember he gave me an admission ticket to a concert at the local Pentecostal church. Uh, Long story short, my dad miraculously volunteered to drive me there and leave me there for two hours and come back and get me. And I didn't know anybody there. And so I attended this service or this concert. And this time the fellow wasn't singing Commodore songs, he was singing gospel songs. And then he had a friend give a testimony, which was a new format for me because I was sort of raised from 11 onwards in a traditional United Church setting. So we didn't have such things. And so I was listening to this man tell his life story, much like I'm doing now. And his life story didn't mirror mine in any way, shape, or form. But inside of me, it was as if a tug of war was going on that I was only slightly conscious of. And when he gave an altar call, which again was a new experience for me, it was as if that rope snapped. And I don't remember getting up. I don't remember walking to the front. I just remember finding myself at the front with tears streaming down my face, looking over at the gentleman he'd been um, serenading us or uh, singing the gospel songs that time. And he was smiling from ear to ear. And I said the words after the man for the prayer, the sinner's prayer. And the second I said amen to that prayer, I was simultaneously surrounded and infilled with God's love to a point that I figured if the God of the universe loved me this much, I had a purpose for being here. So that was probably the the first biggest shift that happened in my life. And again, that was God assisting and literally saving my life at the age of 14. Wow, 14 is such a young age to know what your life purpose is and to connect into that. Yeah, I don't think I quite knew then what my life purpose was. I knew that I had a purpose at that point. At that point, my life's goal was to become a nurse. And I tried to do that and subsequently failed because chronic pain set into my knees at the age of 18. So I had to give up that dream, which sent me into a depression for a year, battled fear and anxiety that paralyzed me for a year. So here comes the second mindset shift. I literally wasn't going out of my house. That's how bound the enemy had me in fear. And a pastor at the time invited me out to the Bible study at his house. And it was a big deal for me to go. And some of the ladies from our church 
um, made sure that I got a ride there and helped me in and out of the house to do it. Um, and in the course of that time with them and some healing prayer, the fear that I was in bondage to was broken off. And I was able to realize that I was at a crossroads in my life and I had a decision to make. And what Holy Spirit basically told me was, Heather, you can choose to give up now and just be on disability for the rest of your life or you can choose to get up, pick yourself up off the ground and um, get on with your life. So I chose to go back to college and fell back on some office administration, got my certificate for that and merged my medical training with that and worked in healthcare for 21 years. And then had to go off on disability again because chronic pain and fatigue had ramped up by that point to a level that I could not work outside of the house any longer. And take a minute before you move forward to just celebrate what you just shared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. You you went from realizing that physically nursing wasn't going to work, so you yeah. merged that into an office administration certificate. Yeah, I got an office administration certificate from college, and then I merged that certificate with my medical training and worked in the clerical end of healthcare for 21 years. Now, when we talked before this call, I think I recall you telling me that you pretty much ran that office for that time. That was the second job I had. For 15 years, I worked in a community health unit Mm -hmm. with other clerks so there was four clerks and we did all the work for a multidisciplinary team of healthcare providers doing home care so we're caring for clients in their home then I shifted to an outpatient clinic in one of our local hospitals and it was a one clerk clinic so yes um, I basically ran the clerical and administrative side of that clinic, as well as all the booking and um, requisitions, everything. If I didn't do my job, the nurses and doctors in the clinic could not do their job. See, I think that's just so incredible. I was so inspired to <laughs> share this story when you shared that with me, because I was just thinking, here you went from being told that you're never going to go anywhere, and now here you are being the backbone for these doctors and nurses to do their jobs. And what did that feel like? Did you ever think about it like that? No, I didn't actually. Um, for me, I've always just, since, since that breakthrough moment where um, I realized that the enemy was trying to keep me down um, and that God had plans and purposes that I might not understand, I kind of became very um, resolute and determined and developed a fairly good level of perseverance in overcoming obstacles. Um, What I didn't mention in the story was I went from walking independently until the age of 29 to having to walk with a four-wheeled walker and then subsequently use a manual wheelchair at times. 
so the whole time I was working in the hospital as the sole clerk for that clinic, I was coming in my wheelchair, transferring to a walker and doing my job that way. Reminds me of the quote, if there's a will, there's a way. And you really found one. Exactly. There's always a way. Do you speak to other people that might be caught in that place of being told they can't? Absolutely. That's part of what Christian inner healing is all about, is um, getting the wounds, the deep, deep wounds that people have that have been inflicted by others, usually, sometimes by self, but most often by others, and um, helping them to shift their mindset to come into alignment with God's mindset, which is far different than ours is. Mm, Absolutely. And that scripture in James, I think it is James 1, where it says, you know, don't be surprised by the trials and tribulations you're facing. And then it goes on to say something about perseverance. You know, character, suffering produces character, and character produces perseverance, and something like that. It's highly paraphrased, because <laughs> I didn't have the scripture up. But um that's sort of one of my life scriptures. I have quite a few of them, but that's certainly one that I cling to. I'll make sure to link that into the show notes with all of the good stuff that you're sharing here at synergymindsetcoaching.com slash Heather Hancock, H-A-N-C-O-C-K. I'd still love to hear how you ended up doing this inner healing work and coaching. <laughs> okay. So after four years of working at the clinic, because of the stress level of doing it and because of the stubbornness that I have in being as persevering as I am, I will find I will find a way of doing things that isn't always beneficial to my body. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. So the clinic was in a very tight space and for me to get the, the charts and things in and out of filing cabinets... I had to twist and contort and balance against walls and things to do it. And it took a toll on my body in four years. So I ended up going into back spasms that made me unable to walk for six to eight hours a day for three months. So that's what took me off work. And uh, that was right before my wedding too, which was just lovely. Anyway, God was good and those spasms ended up stopping two weeks before our wedding so we could come up go back to plan a and i could actually walk down the aisle with my walker (laughs) okay we all love a good story will you take us there and tell us what was it like on your wedding day it was magical it was also bittersweet because my dad had passed away six months before i was sad that he wasn't there in person but i was very much aware that he was watching from heaven. No, it was magical. I mean, I waited a very long time to get married. I was 44. And we had the wedding in a very small interfaith chapel because it was the only one that I could roll in and out of with my walker. And we did not have a reception because both of us are introverts. And it was, it's hard enough being the center of attention at your own wedding. We just had the ceremony and a receiving line afterwards. Finity Gardens is right beside the chapel, so we 
popped in there with our photographer and our family and got our pictures done and then off in home for a quick change and then up to Tofino. Ten days of a honeymoon, that's what it was. So, oh, yeah, it was great. Beautiful. Tofino is one of the best places in the world, I think. Absolutely. It absolutely is. So that was magical. It really was a dream come true. So if we go back to that place where you were taking that time off work, is that when you started stepping into the world of coaching? No, I actually was on disability for four and a half years. So four and a half years after the wedding, I was at home being the housewife, doing as many of the chores as possible, and basically spending my time either watching television or reading books or what have you. And I was feeling very unfulfilled and was complaining to the Lord. And um, the Holy Spirit basically told me that the reason I was feeling unfulfilled was because I was, there was a need, a need that he'd burst me with that wasn't getting attention. And as I explored that with God, what it boiled down to is I have a need to help others. Mm-hmm. So having gone through that bit of journaling and time with God, I went to my uh, hairdresser for an appointment. And as you do, you talk to your hairdresser. So absolutely, <laughs> we're chatting away, and I'm giving her a very nutshell version of what I'm telling you. And she interrupted me and said, "Have you ever thought about life coaching?" And I went, oh. "Life what?" <laughs> I'd never heard of it. And so she's like, "Go home and do some research." So that was what put the idea in my head. So then I spent probably a month or two researching what life coaching was, uh, the different programs you could take, uh, decided on one, registered for it, took the program, uh, graduated, got my certificate, and then launched my business in September 1st of 2016, but not under the name that it's currently under. I did under a different name because I had decided initially to branch out into three directions, Christian life coaching, uh, coaching for women and teen girls, and disability coaching. It sounded great, but it was one of those scenarios where you cast the net too far and too wide yeah. and you don't catch any fish. So, again, went back into some seeking God and asking him for his guidance and he brought up the Christian inner healing aspect and tapped into my spiritual gifts and some training that I'd received probably 15 years ago and um, asked me to do what I'm doing today which is the Christian inner healing coaching and I've also been a writer for a number of years so he's taking me out of my comfort zone on that and now I'm blogging and writing nonfiction articles. All of the writing I'd done up until now had been short stories and fiction for young adults. So a shift there. And then he also wants me to speak at women's retreats and other things as he opens doors 
for that. So all of that has yet to evolve in his perfect will and timing, but I trust him implicitly. And it's onwards regardless. That's my motto. Onwards regardless. I like that. (laughs) I hear a bit of a, a trend through as you speak, and it sounds like you're very intuitive and really able to hear what it is that you're called to do. Yeah, that's something that I've had since I was very little, even before I knew God. I was very hypersensitive to the spirit realm and God's voice, even though I didn't realize as a child that was God talking to me. I had a, an innate sense that God existed, even though I wasn't um, raised in a Christian home per se. My parents had both gone to church and they taught us a few prayers, but that was as far as it went until they started attending the United Church with us when we were older. And then my salvation at 14 was when God really got a hold of me and um, and started to show me what all of that was about. But I'm also very empathic in nature, um, meaning I'm hyper aware of other people's emotions. So I have a high degree of empathy, which is actually a very good gift to have when you're doing the type of work that I'm doing. We were just talking about that. I was in the four-day work week academy today. We were talking about how a lot of coaches are very empathetic. And on the other side of that, is there anything that you have to do to take care of yourself so you're not taking on all that other pain and hurt of the people that you're working with? Yes. Um, Best way that I can describe it, and I've had to do this since I've been very young because I'm so empathetic that if I walk into a room I'm reading everybody's emotions like a big tidal wave onslaught. Mm -hmm. So I have to put what I call guards up. And the best way I can describe that to you is everybody um, who's a Christian is very familiar with the putting on of the armor Mm. in Ephesians 6, right? So if you can envision Wonder Woman with her shield, right? Mm -hmm. Just envision her throwing her shield up. And that's her guard, so it blocks everything coming at her. That's kind of what I mean by putting a guard up, is just putting up my shield of faith and trusting the Lord to buffer everything so that I can function. So important. Absolutely. And so many empaths don't know how to do it, so they just retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and just feel burned out and overwhelmed and tired at the end of the day. Yeah, completely drained. Here, we're just going to pivot a little bit, and I'm just going to ask you a few questions, if that would be all right, just so we can get to know you a little better. Sure. Could you tell us, what is one book that you couldn't live without? Besides the Bible? You can say the Bible, or you can say another book. Besides the Bible, I think the book that's had one of the biggest impacts on my life is Hannah Hernard's Hind's Feet on High Places. I have not read that one yet. I'll have to check it out. It's an allegory, but I love allegories. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's an allegory, not like Narnia, but Narnia is an allegory. So that's when I say allegory, that's what I mean. Ah, thank you for that. You're welcome. 
Can you tell us what would be a podcast we might find on your phone right now? A podcast you'll find on my phone right now. I have uh, Lisa and John Bevere. (laughs) Tell us, what is one thing that you're most passionate about today? Seeing women set free from emotional wounds and chains to be who they were created to be and use the gifts that God's given them to do what they're supposed to do. That is beautiful. I feel like a half an hour interview can hardly even touch on all the different experiences in your life. So I'm just so grateful that you're passionate about speaking and sharing and writing and and getting that out there because it's just so important that we help other women going through these real difficult struggles. Exactly. And it's why I do what I do. Before we say goodbye, I'm going to ask you to leave us with a parting piece of guidance and then share where people can find some of your writing or connect with you if they'd like to get to know more about you and what you do. Sure. So important piece of guidance. If you're a Christian lady who has suffered abuse and trauma and you have that negative self-talk running through your head like a repetitive Uh, recording, um, I would encourage you to find scripture, um, and I'll actually give you a psalm that works very well, Psalm 139. Use Psalm 139 to counter those negative thoughts. So one of the exercises I give my clients is every time you catch yourself having a negative thought, i.e. I'm useless or I'm too fat or nobody loves me. Those are quite common ones. Go into Psalm 139 where it tells you, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God saw your form in the womb before you came to be. All the days of your lives were ordered before one of them came to be. And what you do is you start reading the psalm out loud as a declaration, and it's warfare. The Bible is the word of God, and it is the sword of our spirit. So in declaring scripture aloud to counter the negative thoughts, the more you do it, the more the negative thoughts recede until it comes to a point where they just don't come back again, because you actually believe what the psalm says about you. I love that. They actually don't come back anymore. Eventually, but it is a process. Yes. Yes, it is. And where will people find your writing, your website? Where would you like them to connect with you? Well, it's all on my website. I have a blog on my website, so they can find my writing there. www.heatherahancock.com Thank you so much, Heather.